0: Philippians chapter 3, this is verses 9 through nine through 11. And to be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. This is God's inspired word for us this morning. Please be seated. This morning we're going to focus specifically on, on really just two of these verses. Verse 10 and 11, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Now what does it mean to know him? Well, as far as we can tell, Paul's first encounter with Jesus was on the road to Damascus. And before he had met Jesus on the road, Paul did not have any first hand experience with him, although he did know some things about him. He knew about Jesus from his followers, from men like Stephen, whom he had heard give a passionate defense of Christ before an angry mob. And then be stoned to death. He had met other believers and he had thought that they were either deceivers or that they had been deceived themselves. Into believing this heresy that, that there could be, that this man was the son of God. But after Paul met Jesus for himself, after he encountered Jesus personally, his life was never the same Again. See, Paul went from knowing of Jesus to knowing Jesus. And there's a big difference between knowing about God, knowing about Christ, and knowing Christ. And really, this is true with anyone. You know, one is, is, is just knowing some facts about a person, and the other one is having a relationship with somebody. You know, I know a lot about my favorite athletes and, and, and musicians and even some of my favorite celebrity pastors. But if you had ta- if you would talk to any of those people and ask them, hey, what do you think of Dan? They would say, never heard of the guy. I never met him. You know, this year is the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, which began in Wittenberg by Martin Luther. And now I've, I've, I've read a lot about Martin Luther. I've taken classes on Martin Luther. I've read his writings. I've seen watched films about him. But I don't actually have a relationship with Martin Luther because um, he's been dead for like a long time, uh, 460-something years. He's been dead. I, I don't have that relationship with him. I don't know him, although I know an awful lot about him, and you'll probably be hearing an awful lot about him this coming month as we near this 500th anniversary. Knowing someone personally requires spending time together. Relationships can't be forced. The most important thing is the time that we spend together. In in the church, and, and maybe even myself if we if we look at what we do we we often do a better job of presenting some facts and some information about jesus and some information about god than we do in actually presenting the lord you know i can share bible stories and the commandments and the catechism questions and and we can go through um all these different things and back when you know nearly 30 years ago when i was in sunday school we had like the the flannel board did you ever have that where they would move the characters on over and you know take the sheep up into the ark and um, they never had the people floating in the water next to the ark but they had all the rest of the stuff <laughs> you know it's it's possible to know a whole lot about the bible and it's possible to know a whole lot about Jesus but to not actually know him and to not actually have that relationship with him and it's possible even to believe that we have a relationship with the lord and to not actually have one see Paul here says that I may know him he wants to know Christ personally not just to know a bunch of things about him he wants to to know him to to know everything about him the power of the resurrection to share in his sufferings and as I read this i kind of what, what came to my mind was was the wedding vows that we say you know what does someone typically promise at a wedding, and we, we promise to be faithful to our spouse, to have and to hold, for better and for worse, for richer and poorer, in sickness and in health, to love until, and to cherish at, until death. We want to know somebody for worse, for poorer, in sickness until death. Does that sound like the type of knowing that we would like? And yet, when it comes to a relationship, that's what we do. Do, do couples, do, do newly married couples, understand what this means? Um, kind of. They kind of do. But when we're getting married, we think that, that we're entering into this great romantic adventure with all these ups and downs, like a roller coaster. And roller coasters are fun, aren't they? (laughs) (laughs) Everything will be better with you as long as you're with me, right? And yet for most of us, reality quickly begins to set in and we start to understand what it means to be in that relationship. See, but when we are suffering, when we are poor, when we are sick, we need people in our lives, When someone we love is suffering, when someone we love is poor, when someone we love is sick, then we long to suffer with them. We want to know them and their suffering. And that's what it means to know someone, to to love someone, and that is the relationship that Paul here is longing for. We long to know people in all their skills and all their strengths, but also in all their flaws and all their faults to be with them through it all. And that's the relationship that Paul wants with Jesus to someone to come alongside of him in that way. And relationships are deep. Relationships that are deep will not only endure through hardship, but they will grow through it. They won't just endure, but they'll grow through hardship. He says, Paul says about Jesus, I want to know you in your suffering. I want to fellowship with you, to share in your suffering with you. Just like when a friend or a loved one is suffering, we want to share it with them. We want to be there with them in those dark and trying moments. Suffering causes shallow relationships to fail. But it allows deep relationships to grow. These are the moments that can either make us or break us. And relationships that can endure through suffering are relationships that last and they grow deeper than others. In the parable of the sower, the parable of the soils, Jesus gives us the illustration of what this true faith look like? And faith isn't just someone who politely listens to the word and and doesn't do anything about it. It isn't isn't someone that immediately springs up and and goes all gung-ho about faith and has no root. It's not something that's hindered by the cares of the world. It's not something that that is uh, easily dissuaded, but it's a faith it has roots it's deeper it's stronger true faith knows jesus in a personal way and jesus says that this type of faith has a root in itself meaning that there is a real personal relationship there with the lord and the most important aspect of any relationship is time together the longer and deeper that you know someone the more you will inevitably know about them as well but relationships they don't start with they don't start with a bunch of facts. They start with time, and it starts with conversation. And conversation cannot be just one sided. You know, if one person does all the talking and the other person never gets a chance to speak, um, that, that's not really a conversation. That's a monologue. It's a, it's a lecture. It's a sermon, if you will. You know, right now we are not having a conversation because you're not really able to respond to me other than to fall asleep if you get bored. But to have a conversation is to to back and forth to, to, to speak and to be given the opportunity to listen, to cultivate, to grow, to deepen in our relationship with the Lord. We must be willing to spend time with him and not only spend time with him, but to have those conversations with him. Not just to go to him in our times of need, and not just to to go to him when when we when we need something from him, or or when we get a bad prognosis, or when we have some crisis happening in our lives. But having a relationship with him means allowing him to speak, allowing him to speak into my life. And Jesus said in John chapter fourteen, verse verse fifteen, "If you love me, you will keep my commandments." And implicit in this instruction. If you love me, implicit to keeping the commandments is that we will have to know his commandments. In order to keep the word, you have to know the word and God speaks to us through the word. We get into conversation with Jesus when we allow his word to speak into our lives instead of just going to him with our problems. And, there, and when we have that relationship we, with him, we have freedom. There is a great deal of freedom that we have in close relationships. And you know, we have the freedom to be open and honest about ourselves. And being honest with, 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 uh, with ourselves puts us in very vulnerable positions with other people. You know, do, does somebody know me well enough that I can just let off some steam and, and, and kind of let loose in front of them? And they know when I'm being serious and when I'm not. There's probably very few people in my life that I feel like I can be that way with, and, and one of them is my spouse, Megan. And, and yet, even at times, if I just need to, to kind of let loose, I will get this look like, I cannot believe you just said that. I cannot believe you just you were thinking that. But as we come into a relationship with somebody, we understand that they're not really thinking that way, that they need to, to be vulnerable and to be open with somebody. You know, we just got one of those uh, pressure cooker Instapot, you know, things at our house. And we learned very quickly that in order to actually get the things out of the pot, you have to slowly let out the steam so that it just doesn't, like, explode on you. And, and in order to even to let out the steam, you have to, like, roll your sleeve down. You have to put on a, um, like, a, an oven mitt. And then you have to turn this little thing. And, and, and what do we see? Pssh- comes out until finally everything is gone and the pressure has been released and we can actually open it up and enjoy the things that have been cooked inside of it. Does somebody know me enough? Can they handle my steam? Can I handle someone else? Do they know me well enough to be tender and patient at times and at other times to push and to challenge will they use what you say in moments of vulnerability against you later on for their own advantage to make themselves feel better will the relationship is the relationship strong enough that it can survive when one party lets the other party down or was it just shallow and superficial now this is the type of relationship that we that Paul and and we long to have with the Lord? Can we be open about who we are? Do we understand that the Lord is this way, that that we can know him in a way that we go to him in all of our struggles and our, our frustrations? Do we allow him to speak the truth into our lives, sometimes in gentle ways and sometimes in more harsh ways, as we need it to happen? We allow people to speak the truth to us. See, see, Megan can say things to me that nobody else can say to me. See, if you said it, that's, that's, that's wrong. But if she says it, because she knows me, she's built up that relationship with me. You know, people don't know, don't care what you know until they know that you care. You have to earn the right to be heard in a relationship. And to have a relationship with Christ is to be known by Christ and to know the power of Christ and the same power that was at work in his resurrection is what we see here. He works that in us. See In Romans 6.13, he says, Don't present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. See, conversion is a resurrection. When we enter into a relationship with Jesus, when we are known by Him, then we've been brought from death to life by His power. And as Paul states over and over again, this is not something that we are responsible for. It's not something that I could ever bring about on my own, but it is a benefit of being in a relationship with Christ. If you flip over in your Bible it's chapter, or to, to John chapter 5, verse 21. John 5, 21, and this is 21 through 24. Jesus said that for as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. So the resurrection of Jesus proves that the Father has accepted the ransom that Christ has paid as a full atonement for our sin. The fact that Jesus is raised from the dead means that God has accepted that payment for our sin, and there there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And after we know Him, we know the power of his resurrection, the power of going from death to life Then we might share in his sufferings. The word that, that is used here for share is actually the, the word koinonia, which you might be familiar with because it's typically the word that's translated to fellowship. And, and typically when we use the word fellowship in church, we, we use it kind of as an excuse to get together and, and eat barbecue. You know, that, that's that's kind of what fellowship means. But it's but here he's talking about the sharing of the suffering, fellowshipping in the suffering of Jesus. He says that to, to know this, to, to, to fellowship in his suffering, is essential to knowing Jesus. It's a part of knowing him. It goes hand in hand. And suffering, then, is a privilege and not a penalty of, of the believer. Suffering is a privilege and not a penalty. See, Jesus has already paid it all. Suffering is not the price that we pay. It's not like a sin tax, but it's, it's an effect of knowing Christ. It's a privilege of following Jesus. Suffering is the lot of every true believer. In Acts, uh, Paul, uh, Paul and Luke are telling these, these guys that, that look through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. That suffering goes with being a believer. And in fact, that suffering for Christ is a divine gift. Suffering for God is a gift. Carl Barr said that the grace of being permitted to believe in Christ is surpassed by the grace of being permitted to suffer for him or being permitted to walk the way of Christ with Christ himself to the perfection or fellowship with him. See, perfect fellowship with Jesus is found in suffering with him. It's, it, suffering for Christ is a gift. And, and, and what a countercultural way to look at suffering you know what does my nature what does my culture tell me about suffering it's it's that i need to build up my life around the avoidance of suffering you know i i don't want to suffer i want comfort i want pleasure i i don't desire to suffer and surely if i'm suffering that means that i must have done something wrong and yet when we look at the life of jesus the man acquainted with sorrows we know that's not the case and when we devote our lives to Jesus, we deny ourselves and take up our cross to follow him. At times, suffering results. And, and we see division in families. We can see division in relationships because of Jesus. We come to moral and ethical dilemmas where in order to faithfully follow Jesus means taking a personal financial hit at times. Or it may mean seeing those around us excel instead of us. Because we know that God doesn't just care about results, but he cares about the process. And suffering for Christ might mean standing up for those who cannot stand up for themselves. It might mean making a fool of myself to defend the truth. It might mean apologizing for something that I now know was wrong. Making things right and taking ownership of my mistakes, those aren't things that come easy. Loving our neighbor because true love always costs us something. Speaking the truth, even when you know it might not be the something that that person wants to hear. Commentator R. Kent Hughes wrote that the suffering that comes to a Christian is not a sign of God's neglect, but rather pr- proof that grace is at work in his or her life. The more we become like Christ, the more we suffer for Christ. And we don't do it alone. We get this power of the resurrection that is at work that precedes this suffering. We can't embrace the fellowship of suffering without Christ's power. By dying to sin and self and by being made alive to Christ, see, that is how we're like him in his death. And we're conformed to his death. It's a cycle of dying to self each and every day, a cycle of dying and rising with him. In his resurrection, we've been raised from death to life. See, our resurrection isn't just something that's off in the future, but resurrection is something that begins at that moment of conversion. Do we want to know Christ? This, then, is the way to know him. Paul concludes with this statement, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. See, will I do whatever I have to do? By any means necessary to know Christ and to make him my own. Will I do whatever I have to do, not just to have some far off eternal resurrection. But to have that resurrection here and now. Will I do whatever it takes? Will I go to whatever means necessary? But the means are not unknowable. They aren't a secret. It's all about knowing and being known by Christ. (laughs) Recognizing who we are in light of who he is. And submitting ourselves to him. See, will these words of Paul be our prayer? Will we say that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead? Will these be our words? Let's pray. Father God, we come to you and, and with a recognition, Lord, that, that sometimes we we might know an awful lot about you. Lord, with, maybe without knowing you. But I, I might know a lot more than than a, than a relationship would suggest. And, and Lord, we, we long to have that deep relationship, to share in your sufferings, to share in the power of of the resurrection. Lord, we want to be brought from death to life, but it's only through that relationship with you. Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts, that you might speak to us, or that our conversations would not be one sided, that they would not come infrequently, that they would not come only in our moments of trouble, but Lord, that we would go to you often, that we would come to you and desire to know you and not just know about you. Lord, and that you would be at work in our lives this day, we pray in Jesus' name.